Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast after the broadcast. Uh, this is Bernadette with Dewan Bennett and Vaughn Eaglin. We just came off the air uh, from a live uh, show, which was wonderful. I always enjoy doing the show with these guys. Um, this is a continuation of what we were talking about on the air. Uh, these guys are great and they actually have their own podcast as well that they are starting. And it is called... I Think I Talk Too Much. And so it's going to be two African-American oh, male good. therapists who are uh, two, pretty much two black shrinks who are talking about a lot of things that affect people in life, um, in their experiences, and then how to help improve them. So it's really about helping people help themselves. So. Yeah, and I love that because so many people can never afford therapy. Mm-hmm. And you guys will be helping a lot of, hopefully, a lot of kids, a lot yeah, of adults. Hopefully we to... can get enough information out there where people are like, okay, we must tune in. So, yeah. you know, just trying to bring awareness to some things that people are talking about, but they're not talking about it from a different perspective. And mm-hmm. we're trying to bring a different perspective to the conversation. Well, I i don't know how we met Vaughn, but when we did, uh, it was instant good energy and good broadcasting. And so it's nice to have you guys on the podcast after the broadcast. Today, we decided we were going to talk about something that's very taboo, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, bondage, discipline, dominance, and submission, uh, a.k.a. BDSM. You so uh, what is BDSM for those that don't know? So BDSM, you kind of said it. So it is bondage where people will have a certain type of sexual practice. Many times that is bondage and discipline, submission, and then masochism. So one, it is an ancient practice. A lot of people don't wait, realize. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Uh-huh. First okay. of all, it's an ancient practice. It is. It's it is. Wow. So, it has okay. been so has this got to do with, so I was reading, I just happened to be reading The Feminine Mystique this morning when I was trying to okay. look for some sort of content to like just, you know, go toe to toe with you. <laughs> okay. And I was reading this, I mean, I knew it, but I didn't really know it like, it was so fresh when I was reading it about Chinese women that used to bondage, they went into bondage with their feet yeah, yeah, years yeah. ago. And that was like almost Are mandatory you, you, if never, you were a Chinese woman. You've what? never heard of this, Bernadette? So if I get, so the, uh, and, and uh, I'm trying to quote this correctly, but they would bind their feet, make their feet small. Yeah, I knew feet, that. Yeah, when their feet were small, they would use their feet to stimulate the penis oh. of Oh my God! I did not know that. It's kind of like rubbing between the feet, you know. Like if you got some feet, no wonder they were so. So so you had these women who are you know tripping and falling, and they can't walk. (laughs) They can't walk straight (laughs) because their feet are so small because they you know been (laughs) binded their whole lives. But the purpose of that was for you know sexual stimulation of the the part. So that was at the very root of it. Because let me just read this to you guys, Uh like serious. And we're going to do this. uh, We're going to continue with these guys. We're going to do smaller podcasts and more of them. So if you only have fifteen or twenty minutes. Uh, you can, you know, you don't have to worry about not about missing anything. So we're going to make them short and sweet. But listen to this. So I was, re- I just happened to open this, and it ended up on this page. So I saw Chinese women, so I started reading, and I marked it. How did Chinese women, after having their feet bound for many generations, finally discover that they could run? The first woman whose feet were unbound must have felt such pain that some were afraid to stand, uh, let alone to walk or run. The more they walked, the less their feet hurt. But what would have happened if before a single generation of Chinese girls had grown up with unbound feet, uh, doctors hoping to save them pain and distress told them to bind their feet again, and teachers told them that walking with bound feet was feminine, 
the only way that she could walk if she wanted a man to love her. Um, and scholars uh, told them that they would be better mothers if they could not walk too far away from their children. And peddlers discovering that women who could not walk bought more trinkets, wow. spread fables, and the dangers of running and the bliss of being bound. What the heck is all I can say when I read That's that? I was amazing. like, and then you tell me about this connection with yeah. the penis. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. So, so, so what's what? I like. I'm 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 totally dumbfounded by what you just said just to me. Kink. I mean, if you really think about it, uh, when you have somebody who enjoys kind of the 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 physical part of um, you know stimulation, being stimulated by some type of aggressive means, whether they're being choked or their hair, hair is being pulled or they're being tied up. If you think about it, a lot of people engage in those type of activities. Maybe when you're in yeah, college. Yeah, but this is like different. We're t- that's so, some bullshit, so I'm what, just going to say. So, that's so, some bullshit, so and I'm just going to say it like impre- it is. Here's my impression on this, mm-hmm. Bernard. So if you repeat anything long enough and loud enough, even if it's myth, it then becomes truth. And so if you have the whole society, all the dominant people in these people's society telling them this is the way to go, then that sets the tone for beauty. So, for instance, like in certain tribes in Africa, you know, you'll see them alter their body. They may alter earlobe or alter their lip. If you see certain people... And other parts, you know, they may make a, their neck longer, you know. Their boobs that, you bigger. Know, yeah, pretty much. So or back in the day, you know, big was in, you know, because it showed that you had a lot of money. You could feed yourself. Yep. So, you know, women who had it's more. A sign of wealth. Yeah, yeah. You, had, you got a little more health and wealth on your bones and everything. So, but now, you know, if if people back in ancient times saw the women today, they would say, oh, what is that? You know, you look goth. You, you're too skinny. What's wrong with you? Why would you be making yourself look like that? So. Wow, I had no idea that this mm. this uh, that yeah. this subject was so. I mean, I gotcha. knew it was complicated, but I I feel right. like we're really going to dig yeah. into yeah. some really heavy yeah. stuff here. Gotcha. Um, so continue on telling us like the the uh, the history, if you will, uh, uh, the culture of gotcha. BDS. And I mean, it's it to me, it's like in, it's insane, and I, I can't help it as a you know. Um, mm. I don't. I don't really say I'm a feminist. I'm right. a strong mm-hmm. woman that doesn't want to be used or abused or right. or disciplined or uh, dominated by anyone. So, well, I need to explain. You know, the myths and then also the truths about BDSM. So, when we talk about it is in history, you do see it in Greek art. If you read some Kama Sutra, Kama Sutra books, you'll see that. You'll see that in 18th century brothels in Europe. You'll see other cultures, and so you find that there were men who were going to these places and who were putting themselves in a submissive of role so they can be restrained they can be whipped they can be punished punished by someone who is what we call a dominatrix and so the dominatrix so there are a lot of different types of um things that they would do to the person who's being submissive but they may be blindfolded they may be bitten they may be gagged they may be choked they may be stimulated with different items and if you think about it the skin is the biggest organ on on your body so you're going to have different types of sensations that they're using to try to stimulate something um, that it may be uh, sexual or it may get, get them aroused. And so whenever you find someone who participates in BDSM, what, they, what they're doing is exploring their sexuality and they're exploring fantasies that they may not be able to have because these things are taboo to do it in, out in the open. So what they do is that they go to these places kind of like a dungeon. That's what they're called. I, I heard there's a place right here in Dallas. Yeah, they got a place. Yeah, yeah, in fact, I, I dated clients. this weirdo so once, yeah, which got rid of him quickly. <laughs> you say weirdo. They wanted to start, yeah. talking about, uh, t- start talking about it with me. Right. On a car ride, I was like, I can't get out of this car fast enough. <laughs> so, and I'd known him for a couple of months. When but. I was in college, they used to have a lot of these 
they would, you know, claim them to be sex parties, but, you know, BDSM parties where they were tying yeah. each other up and using whips and all. And this but was that's college. that's so effed up. I yeah. mean, come on, well, really? Is well, that what normal? That's not normal. Well, well, this normal to them, though. So normal is relative. You got to remember that. I understand that. And, so, that. and I don't want to be judgmental. I really right. don't want to be judgmental. <laughs> so, and I'm okay. not a prude at all. Okay. But I just think that there's no good comes out of this. What so, possible good could come out of so this? So there are a lot of different things. So whenever you look at the benefits of BDSM, so people, there's benefits. Yeah, there are a lot of benefits, actually. So Seriously. Pe- people get Acting to, out fantasies. Exactly. People get to explore their sexual fantasies in a way that is really safe. And most people who, um, actually, most people, as you said, don't engage in BDSM. But BDSM, you have to involve a lot of trust and a lot of communication because that's paramount in BDSM. Because what happens is, is that you have to discuss ways, you have to communicate in a way that's open and vulnerable that many people don't actually communicate whenever they're actually having sex. Because, you know, after we talk about something uh, or after we have sex, then we need to talk. It's kind of like a, a guy watching film after you played a football game. It's like, let's review the game tape to see what happened. And so when I can communicate with you and then it's very open and you're accepting of my fantasy or my wishes or my desires, then we open up some communication that other people in BDSM, they would call this vanilla sex. Other people who have vanilla sex do not experience that type of openness, communication, vulnerability, and safety within the relationship. So it is really safe because in BDSM. I think I understand that. Uh, you know, I understand that. I, 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 I could see where, and I, I have to say from personal experience, right. I've had a great intimacy before, but it did not include whips and chains. Well, and well, see, I just, you know, it's not ahead. all, it's not always about the whips and chains. Sometimes it's some people do it through just tying someone up. You know, you taking a tie off and then you. Right. You, but you, why? You, That's what I want to know. Like the deep psycho that I want to, well, we'll I want to know what makes a person think that that. Some people like to just submit themselves to someone else. Just, hey, you know, give themselves to someone else and just that pleasure. Is that pleasure. a typical human n- human nature, though? Is that a well, typical human reaction so we're, to we're, want to be submissive or controlled so we're talking, by someone? We're talking about the transfer of power. For instance, if I have a client that comes into my office who's a high-powered lawyer, he's dominant in every single arena in his life. So no one else has control over him. And so, But he has a fantasy of someone who is actually able to dominate him. So he may go to a dungeon. Right. Now, this is too experience what it's like to be uh, submissive to somebody because when you have that transfer of power then you know and he's experiencing pain at the same time it's like you know what how much pain can I experience it's almost like being on the edge of your seat like if you're on a roller coaster how much pain am I going to experience because they play mind games um, when will the pain end you know how long is it going to last like, so oh, you get these mind games and you have people who are what call a mistress or a dominatrix or someone who is a dom and you have a sub you have these people who are very adept at make, making sure that people live out the fantasy that they have have, whatever kind of fetish they have. So people develop different types of fetishes. But it can life. get, there's, like I said, though, it's a slippery right. slope. Right. Yes. I remember a PETA investigation, and mm-hmm. this is uh, going to freak you out, Lexi, when you hear this probably. Gotcha. When I first heard about it, I was like, okay, these people are insane. Anyone that would participate in this kind of, you know, uh, BD, um, SM, it, you're insane at this point. These were people, that, these were guys that want, that got off by a woman in high heels right. in an Asian country, um, I don't remember what the country was, stepping on little puppies and killing them, oh, watching wow. the puppies yeah. die oh, with their high extreme. heels. Yeah. I'm like, that yeah. is insane. That's I don't want to be extreme. around those people. They should be locked up. Right. That's insane and brutal I thought you were just going to say stepping on their testicles. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> stepping on a puppy. Oh that's so. they, they got off from from killing puppies with watching women kill puppies in their high heels. So that's a little bit different in terms of someone who's a masochist, someone who enjoys, uh, excuse me, a sadist, someone who enjoys inflicting pain. That's 
going to be different than someone who's a masochist or someone who enjoys, you know, having the pain or receiving the pain. And so, um, but you never know what people will associate with their sexual fantasy. Um, I'll give you an example. This is a, this is a true life example. So when I was a, a dorm dad, I was a residence hall director at the University of North Texas. There was a guy who would be walking around campus asking other people to take images, actually like draw out their foot. So he would go inside the dormitory, ask a resident, hey, can I, I'm a biology student, I need to study the foot. Hey, would you mind taking your shoe off, putting it on the table and wiggling your toes? And so people would do it saying, okay, it's a little bit weird, but okay. One resident I had come to me and said, look, this guy was uh, asking me to put my foot up. You know, I started wiggling my toes and I turned over on my phone. My foot got tired. And then when I turned back to look at my foot as I was wiggling my toes because my foot got tired, the guy was over in the corner masturbating. And so this guy had uh, like a hardcore foot fetish. He had a foot fetish because he, I mean, whenever he looked at feet, that's something that would turn him on. And, you know, and then that, you know, most people would say that's sick, something's wrong. Now, he, the way he was expressing it, I don't agree with the way he was expressing it by trying to manipulate and fool people. However, you know, if he was in an environment where he was able to explore that with someone in a safe way, then, you know, that may have been more acceptable. Does that make sense? And that becomes I guess the I'm just it. so yeah. weirded out by it. It by is. It is a little weird. Like, it is a little I'm weird. weirded out. And, it is and, a little and weird. coincidentally, right. the weirdo that I told you about right. that wanted to take me to a dungeon also had a foot fetish. Yeah. So, wow. right. yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, these people, whenever you talk about, you know, uh, someone who engages in the BDSM, a lot of times they are a little bit more uh, extroverted. But what they are in their mind is that they're sexually adventurous. And so they like to explore and they like to experiment with different things of uncovering new ways to experience the sensuality and their sexuality and so so it doesn't have to be as extreme as some like killing someone because usually in a really like safe bdsm dungeon you're going to have a safe word or if someone you're practicing at home you're going to have a safe word so this has gone too far this is where we need to stop that's why i say you have to have a lot of trust and communication because it's then, based on consent it's right. based on hey i agree to go x amount of far this far let's talk about our safe word Let's kind of script this out of how this is going to happen for us so I can make sure that this is pleasurable. But there's a little bit of surprise in there as well. Um, and that's what you see, the, the, the importance of the, I guess, the culture of it and why people right. tend to go to these dungeons because they feel like there's rules and the rules are going to be followed in these situations. Right. Not to mention some of the stuff, you know, that they are engaging in. If they were out in public doing it, people would call the police. Right, right. And so, you know, uh, I, I totally agree with you, Dewan. And so whenever they are having these interactions, this is what we call play. So we're going to play together. So they kind of make a contract with each other that we are going to play. And these are the certain rules of the game whenever we go and play with each other. So does that make sense? So I mean, it, I, I guess. I mean, I, you, you see it. You see it in media all the time. Like, you know, of, of course, Fifty Shades are great. Now, most people believe Which was that a stupid, it like, was, stupid, it was. stupid. I never film. watched it. I never and watched it. And they wanted women. That's not what love is. That's right. not what intimacy is. What? They're telling. Yep these young girls oh that's what you want you know you gotta mm. want a guy to tie you up and smack right. you around that's great sex no it's not right when most people who watch like most people in the bdsm community that watch christian gray on 50 shades of gray don't consider him a role model but so like that's not real bdsm that's the hollywood portrayal of what people think it is and not necessarily what it is so well here's right. here's the point i'm trying to make based okay. on something i read um uh-huh. uh in this book called five types of people who can ruin your life by uh bill eddy Uh, It's identifying and dealing with narcissists, sociopaths, and other high-conflict personalities. Mm. But one that talks about Ted Bundy in here. Okay. Okay? Uh Ted Bundy, for those of you who don't know, was a serial killer in the 1970s and 80s. Altogether, he killed at least 36 young women and girls, according to FBI estimates. Uh, And I know this uh, to be also fact that he also, one of the last things that he said Mm. was that everyone 
that is a serial killer is addicted to pornography, a hundred percent, that or a killer okay. is it something? I'll, I'll have to get the facts for the so, next yeah, podcast. You can yeah. look up the video. Yeah, you can look up the video. I would, I would like to, I would, of him I would, saying yeah. it basically. But yeah. here's what I want. Here's what I want to read out of this book. It says, um, uh, like Bundy's victims, you usually don't have time to think about the possibility that a situation like this might be um, a con because of the apparent urgency and innocence of the situation. Because they were talking about how he used to attract girls. Um, but but here's the part I. I want to read. In fact, Anne Rule, who accidentally met Bundy when they both worked on a crisis hotline, said of him years later that Ted, I believe, was a sadist sociopath who took pleasure from another human's pain and the control he had over his victim. Wow. So I read that, and yeah. I'm and what all the mm. stuff that you just said. Right. There's a simil- There's a similarity there. There's a connection. Mm. There is a connection. So so there is a difference between someone, and I just want to differentiate. There's a difference between someone who is exploring a sexual fantasy and then someone else who is a bona fide uh, sociopath or a psychopath. But how, where do because, you draw the line? And because, if they start real young, couldn't they turn out to be a Ted Bundy? Well, that's, it's a little bit different in terms of like uh, the, the, the psychology of it because someone who's a sociopath and a psychopath, they don't care about other people. Someone who is in BDSM, who is really in the culture, they care about who they're playing with. They care about the rules of the game. They care about what's gonna, going, going to happen inside of the dungeon or the room. And so someone who's a sociopath, I don't care about you. You know, you can step on a puppy. Like that, I, like, I, that does not move me. I don't care about whenever I see someone actually in you know experiencing pain there's no empathy you know there there's a disconnect from a psychological standpoint where someone who's experiencing in bdsm may have a sexual fantasy that they just want to live out but it may be taboo to do that in public it's kind of like what we talk about in psychology with people who sublimate right so mm-hmm. somebody grows up and you know they're a cutter so you know they like cutting animals and all that type of stuff and they grow up to be a surgeon right they find the appropriate avenue or the socially appropriate avenue to kind of live out their fantasies or to engage in these deviant behaviors. And that's what it seems to be the culture of BDSM is they found a socially appropriate avenue to engage in these deviant behaviors that, for the most part, people are going to frown upon in in that environment. It's safe. They feel safe and they feel they can act out these fantasies and go back to work and no harm, no foul. Wow. Yeah. And so so whenever you have people, I mean, you'll, you'll be surprised more people get not only exposed to BDSM through porn, but they participate in different types of BDSM, but they don't really call it BDSM. For instance, like if I'm around the house, I remember, well, I don't want to go into personal stories. However, <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 go we're ahead, good. Mom. We're good. We're good. My wife might listen to this one day, so I don't want to go there. Well, but, and I think that most women do but, like to be submissive to but, some right. degree to their husband because well, they feel safe with them. Uh-huh. And I mean, I told you, like, I'm, I'm not a prude, but I That's just it. think there is a line that you can cross easily. Right. And I think that pornography pornography proliferates uh-huh. this problem. It's a problem in our society now. Right. Well, I, I, agree I agree with you. That. I agree I with agree. you. But even, I mean, the ma- mass media does as well. Let's say if I'm watching a movie, I was a basic instinct, I believe, uh, where she used candle wax, I want to say. Like, that's a form of BDSM right there is because what I'm doing is that I'm putting some, I'm putting hot wax on your skin and it changes the temperature just for a, f- a brief moment and that is a sensation that you would not have experienced uh, had I not done that and then that's supposed to be a turn on. And so 
Um, there are, you know, if you see someone, if you see a woman, you know, uh, grab a husband and with, with her tie you know, or with his tie by, around his neck, and then you see them, you know, do a small chokehold. Yeah, that's a form of BDSM. Now it's very, you know, vanilla kind of, kind of sort of, but again, you'll see people engage. Having in someone choke you is vanilla. It's well, the whole pleasure through pain. Concept. Right. So, so you'll see people get exposed to BDSM through pornography, but they're engaged in small things that they have around the house. They use, um, like I would, I would say just how things around the house to engage in different types of BDSM. So different types of things to stimulate themselves or stimulate their partner. It doesn't have to be just with the genitalia area. It can just be something. It could be a feather that I'm wiping across your skin. And all of a sudden you have a small like shiver go down your back because yeah. you've never felt that before. So, right. so it could be something as simple that as that. Seems pretty it, innocent. Right, right. That it doesn't have to be a whip and a chain oh. and, you know, yeah, and I, I got to put scalding water on your, you know what I mean? So it could yeah. be, it could be a lot of different things, but what it is, is that an exploration of sexual fantasies and some people sometimes also have a fetish that is not okay to explore outside of someone else who participates inside of that community. I don't yeah. know. I think it's yeah. a slippery, like I said, you know, the lines can get blurred easily. And I think Definitely. someone who, and we're going to wrap this up and we're going to continue on because this is um, crazy interesting. It really is. Um, <laughs> so it, it just seems to me that it's a, it's a slippery slope. Like where do you, where do you draw the line? Like, where do you draw I mean, the if, line? If you think about maybe some of the behaviors that you guys talked about earlier that people engage in uh, that they don't believe to be BDSM, but it's more so like, I just kind of have this fantasy. So, you know, someone's engaging in sex and the the woman wants to be, you know, hit on the backside during intercourse or things like that. Those are behaviors in which someone is inflicting pain onto them, but they may see a pleasure in that. And then from that like most things that people, they enjoy something, they want it to be increased. They want it to ramp up. So now you went and got a whip, and now you went and got a paddle. And you you found other things, and now you've crossed that line. You're going into more of the BDSM, the violence associated with it that right. people get, the you know, that they, that they get scared of. Yeah, Right. And so I guess because I try to live my life in a state of ahimsa, which means mm. no harm to mm. anyone, okay? No harm. So, you know, the wax and the, the yeah. feathers, whatever, right. that seems, right. you know, harm. Harmless that enough. seems harmless. Okay. You know, and why does it seem harmless, though? Like, you know, well, because I mean, it's not it, it just it doesn't seem violent to me. That doesn't um, seem violent. Well, to see, me. But when, when that, you well, yeah. tie somebody up and you start beating them or whipping them, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I think that's violent. But again, it is a very and when we talk about violence, violence has such a negative connotation. It is a controlled type of bondage that has a lot of discipline. That's what the D stands for. There's a discipline behind it. And so it is very controlled and it should be very safe so if things get out of hand you should have a safe word like this is going too far you know and so because again they've established a contract because there's a lot of trust communication openness acceptance and so they have to be able to trust what their partner is saying and Mm -hmm. so you know but again they're just willing to share a fantasy and then or have that fantasy lived out in a safe kind of environment yeah interesting yeah and so i'm glad we talked about it and so if someone wants if someone is actually more interested in getting started with bdsm i would definitely suggest like getting on like Fit Life, that you have like you know you have you know accounts online. You have just kind of what like is a, that? It's just kind of like a Facebook account. You yeah. know what I mean? Pretty much. So it's like there's a lot there of, are social media of platforms out there. Yeah, there are social media platforms. I would say Fit Life is probably one of the biggest one, but I would suggest learning the do's and don'ts and do Fet your Fit Life. What does that mean? F E T fetish. You know, oh, fetish life. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Fit Life. So you know, so you want to 
learn the do's and don'ts and do your research. So, and, so, and connect with people near you. So is this like the yeah. swinging thing, too? So people that get into that. Well, swinging, in- swinging and polygamy and polyamorous relationships, that can be a little bit different. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Now, there are people who, yeah, there are people who are in BDSM that do practice, you know, polyamorous relationships. Oh, no, and, no, you know, that weirdo things. I told you about. Yeah. He was all into that, too. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. what is up with this guy? What a weirdo. How the heck? Yeah. So, you know, how does someone get that weird? Well, you know, like they, there's a whole, you know, psychology behind, you know, polyamorous relationships. And it's like, I don't want to just date one one specific person or just one specific sex. You know, there's an openness there. Um, now, do I participate in it? No, I'm married. But, you know, but I do understand I've had clients who have participated in polyamorous relationships because I don't want to limit myself. And I want to be able to explore different things. And my partner's OK with it. And in fact, they have to have more communication to be OK with it um, than sometimes even just monogamous relationships yeah. and so i think it's so yeah. damaging to a relationship there's a lot more yeah. needs that have to be met in that relationship and not right. to mention that whole 80 20 rule concept right in with that you get that other 20 from someone else and it's and it's okay it's comfortable yeah. and, and for some people uh, it's like it's not know. as much right. we're gonna yeah. have to talk <laughs> so, about so, that so, i got let me, some serious opinions about that i actually was in a relationship once uh we'll talk about it next time gotcha. okay <laughs> all right then all right and then. the pressures of gotcha. of of a feeling like I was never quite good enough. Gotcha. You know? So let me give a couple of books right quick. So Playing Well with Others, and that's by Lee Harrington, Ties That Bond. You can uh, read SM 101, or you can read uh, Different Loving to Real People, Real Lives, Real BDSM by Gloria Brame. And so, again, educate yourself, work slowly, don't be impulsive if you want to get into that lifestyle, and, you know, have fun. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want, I want to say before we go off the, uh, go off the air that it's, I misspoke saying not good enough, but th- what I wanted to say is never, I was never enough. Uh-huh. And so, at, I, and I think that most people that uh, when another partner puts that pressure on mm-hmm. you, you feel like somehow you're not good enough. You're yeah. not enough. Why am inadequate, I not enough? You're, you're inadequate. Yeah. yeah, so I, that's yeah. Porn when does. they yeah. actually are uh, headed in a direction uh, that you really don't want to go. Yeah. And if, if you find someone and that's not your thing, you know, I would say I would say stay away. But one, I mean, if that's not your thing, because I, like I've even had couples come to my office. One person is into it. One person is not. That couple ended up in a divorce because they have two different value systems. And if, if this is not your value system, that's perfectly fine. Just go about your way and find somebody that does fit your value system. I personally known ever known any good to come out of like that type of behavior i've mm-hmm. never when i when i'm talking specifically about you know threesomes and cheating things like that yeah. um mm-hmm. uh or, or swinging yeah. because ultimately one partner ends up i don't know it yeah. just i, I feel like they feel inept yeah. in some way yeah, yeah. right so yeah. many yeah. times that happens many times it does happen in fact most times it does happen right so, um but a polyamorous relationship kind of looks a little bit different um there's not again there's openness there's trust you know we're going to talk about things before i do this you know you're going to even know the person i'm with mm-hmm. and different things like that so it's, there's no deception no double life there's no you know uh you know mask that i'm right. wearing so it a looks, a, it looks a lot different process associated yeah. with it when they sit mm-hmm. down with the person that they're trying to bring into the relationship and they'll talk talk and ask questions and get to know them. Um, and, and because it's a community, essentially, they'll talk to, you know, previous relationships, previous people that they dated and get a feel for, is this person going to work for us? Who has time for that? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh, my God. There, yeah. okay, there, there's now a really show on Showtime <laughs> about, about dating while dating in Polly. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow, what a crazy yeah. world we live in. <laughs> it's been fun, you guys. Uh, we'll talk next time, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the podcast after the broadcast. We'll be back.